welcome to another episode of Makers Weekly. My name is Dan Parsons and I am your host. In this episode, I chat with Ryan Wood, head of product at Kala, the world's first fashion house technology platform. We talk about the importance of being extremely intentional with every aspect of your product design. We also go into detail about his process of mapping company values to product principles, which ultimately delivers remarkable product quality. So without further ado, let's welcome Ryan Wood. Hey, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, really looking forward to hearing more about Kala. Um, so do you mind first just giving us an overview of what Kala is so the listeners have a little bit of context? Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. Really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, so Kala, um, basically, short and sweet, we help you build your fashion brand. And we enable that by connecting designers and manufacturers um, across the globe with our uh, global supply network. And it's basically a SaaS product uh, that you can interface with and build out your entire line. And the end goal is to get those items produced and physically uh, handed off to you. So does the product actually integrate with the producers? Uh, So like the actual like the the manufacturers of the goods or like how does this like value chain work and where does it integrate on the supply side of things yeah definitely um we it's fully integrated across the entire life cycle of uh, the fashion life cycle um so we connect you directly with the partners in terms of the process and how this kind of works uh, when you first join kala you will upload some files and reference images if you have them Uh, pertaining to what it is you want to build. From there, you'll check out and we actually run an algorithm on the back end to figure out pricing for that collection. You pay everything up front and basically the upfront pricing includes a bunch of different services. And once you've paid everything, we then will find the best suited partner in our network and pair them directly onto the project. So fairly similar to say an Uber model there um, on the marketplace side of things. Once the partner is connected to that project, it's basically up to you to to figure out and uh, get that thing actually seen through to the finish line. But we also offer you know, different services to help uh, ease that process as well. So is this targeted, is it like a B2B play? So you're going after like existing brands and helping ex- like expand their supply chain or is it for like s- startups or like uh, like Instagram influencers, like who who are you seeing actually jump on and, and adopt the product? Yeah, I think we've seen a very wide spectrum of early adoptees. And more recently, we've focused and narrowed in who we're going after. Um, that is probably closer to the B2B side of things. With that said, you know, the middle tier is probably around the influencer Instagram side of the equation. Um, in terms of you can use Kala, for instance, if you don't have any prior fashion knowledge or experience, uh, but we kind of require you to subscribe to a certain tier that we then, the process is a little bit more hands-on. If you come into Kala and you have some experience, you can go to a lower tier on the subscription model, and there you ideally have enough knowledge and expertise to actually get the right set of information into the product. So then when we're pairing you with the partners, that thing gets manufactured to a certain standard. But basically, you know, you can imagine this 
similar to we have the Uber X version of this and we have kind of the Uber Black model as well. It sort of depends on what your needs and financial constraints are in terms of how you want to get this thing actually made. So, okay, so you, you connect the, on the network of the supply side and it, it varies on, on you know how much help the actual customer needs. And then on the demand side, how far into the the demand end does your product go? Like, is it retail? Is it direct to consumer? Online only? Or where? How does it? Where does it start and end on that on that front? Yeah. So if you subscribe to the highest tier, which we call the uncapped tier, we actually work directly with uh, many partners across the entire kind of fashion ecosystem, and that does include stuff such as retail. The primary focus is probably more around the direct-to-consumer model because it's the most easy to integrate and the most easy to manage. So we actually, once you sign up for Kala, we will directly integrate with your Shopify account. Mm. And then we can ensure that the products actually get put in there and we can track and manage all the different purchases going on. So if I want to invent like some sexy new sweatshirt or something, I can mm-hmm. I could jump on and it would help me organize all of the design and work with the team to collaborate on like what the final product is. You would help plug in and price all of the, the cost side associated and the manufacturing associated with getting that developed. And then on the demand side, if I was going direct to consumer, you plug it right into Shopify. Do you guys do anything as it relates to going directly into like advertising channels? Like, Can I run Instagram ads directly from the product or is it mainly just the delivery chain? Yeah, so... Uh, the middle and upper tiers of the subscription, actually, we take a cut of the sales. Mm. And what that ensures on our end is that, you know, there's kind of a, there's a mutual incentive on both sides for us to actually help you sell your product. And so we actually do connect you with, uh, on the marketing side, will help you out in terms of running different campaigns. And the scope of that will kind of start off small and test the waters there. And then we ensure over time, if things are starting to sell and that relationship is healthy, we will expand that out and continue to grow. And we've seen quite a few different clients that have come through and started with smaller batches, uh, direct-to-consumer, started to expand on you know Instagram and Facebook advertising and seen some success. And then we've just grown out those collections. So then the drops become uh, more consistent. And ultimately, you know, it's just about, again, having that tight relationship on both sides of the equation here. That's super cool. So do you guys actually do the ad buying at, at, for some customers? Yeah. So we work with kind of different agencies that you know run these campaigns internally we're not actually you know doing the kind of dirty work around that um only because you know we want to ensure that you get to work with experts on that end of the spectrum um and so yeah very cool are you can you tell us a couple success stories like are you able to mention any specific customers yeah, definitely. Um, on our website, we've kind of outlined a few different success success stories. Uh, one of those is a creator called uh, Yeah, I Work Out, and Jason Tom, and he came to us, and you know, kind of as you were alluding to, uh, he had a bit of a successful brand and actually had some retail presence, but wanted to expand and grow out his brand and 
the capacity and capabilities that Kala gives you streamlines that entire process end to end. So previously, you know, he was managing this all on his own. He works like a different job. It's an incredibly challenging pros- perspective to like get fashion products created. The like end to end process is insane. So we came into the equation and streamlined all of the process for him from a technological standpoint. And since then, we've actually gotten his items into certain retail channels like Dover Street Market here in New York City and Los Angeles and other kind of high-end retail experiences. And because we've been able to streamline his operations so much, he's been able to actually produce more garments. And from that standpoint, he's able to collect and earn more money and continue to grow his brand. Man, that's an amazing story. Um, so as it relates to that, are, can you share any numbers around the number of customers you have or like the traction and scale? I'm just trying to get an understand of how big like the company is or how far along this journey you guys are. Yeah, um, in terms of the scale of things, um, the operations side, we've manufactured over 50,000 units. Um, and that includes over 400 unique styles. Mm. So in terms of the capacity, you know, it's pretty much limitless and it's very dependent on how much you want to grow your brand. And on the customer side of the equation, we've seen anywhere between, you know, 300 to 500 customers come in and use this product. Dang. It's like AWS for garment supply. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I like to almost think of it somewhat as like, this is the first operating system for the fashion life cycle. And previously, you know, fashion has been so archaic in terms of the implementation of technology and Surprisingly, you would think, you know, fashion is at the forefront of culture, but the way these garments are actually manufactured, when you go into some of these factories and you see just how outdated their systems are, you kind of get this aha moment that by building the software layer on top of all this, we can fundamentally streamline and create this um, far more efficient process and drop prices down across the board and allow, uh, a wider array of creators to come in and actually get their clothes produced than previously. Man, so you're, you're almost also unlocking a whole new cohort of creators that before would be priced out of even getting started. But now you're, you're kind of lowering the barriers and, and letting probably people more on the creative space versus like the operational headspace into the market. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. We fundamentally want to unlock your creative potential at Cala and ultimately designers and people in the fashion industry, they really just want to get stuff made and they want to be as creative as possible. And the constraints around the manufacturing and the operations side are, you know, things that they don't want to necessarily deal and handle with, because let's be honest, it's not as fun. Like that's, that's the painful part of the process and it's the reality of the situation. So if I wanted to create a new product, if I had like a good idea, let's just say I'm back to this sexy sweatshirt, um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to test just like a couple different colors of it, a couple different versions, but I have like you know a few unique things to it, like maybe I want the s- sleeves to be weird and tight, and like the the actual body of it to be big and baggy, or just like something unique. And I came into you, Kala. Like, how much would that cost me to to get it to a point where I could mm-hmm. throw it up on Shopify and pump a few ads out? 
Yeah. So in terms of the pricing model that we utilize, it's very dependent on the total number of units and the complexity of the garment. So the algorithm on the back end kind of functions around those two different levers. So if the complexity is low and your unit count is high, the cost of the garment is going to be highly competitive and more than likely it's going to be lower than any other service that you can use. Um, as the complexity starts to increase, uh, if you're able to increase the unit count with that complexity, you will offset a lot of those costs. The way that the process actually works on the manufacturing side is you end up creating what's called a sample garment. And that sample garment is a single unit that is going to be reflecting of the price. So like that's like the, the upfront price to like get the actual first garment produced and then it's a per unit after that? Yeah, so actually the way the process works is that we include um, the sample cost in the upfront cost. So when you pay the full cost and you see the cost that you get, we're going to include that sample garment and it lets you go through a few different iterations to ensure that you're actually getting the um, end result that you want. But, yeah. So yeah, drawing back to kind of uh, your example here, you know, the... The way that this process uh, works in terms of the tool, you would come in and you know start to upload some reference images and maybe call out some of the things that you want. So you might say, okay, I want the sleeves to be elongated or I want the body to be tapered. As you start to call out all these things, once you submit your item, on our end, we look through all your different callouts, we'll look through all your different reference images. And even if you actually don't have any design experience, you don't need to upload kind of what the final product you want to look like. We will uh, pair you with what we call kind of a technical designer. And that technical designer will come in and take all of your references, all of your callouts, and create a fully specced mock-up of that product. So then when we pair you with the partner, they're basically utilizing that. And it's at a certain standard in the industry that ensures that the product that's being created is not going to end up kind of just haphazardly produced. I gotcha. That makes a ton of sense. All right. So I come in, I just do some reference specs. It's similar to like what we do in, like I've been in the app game forever. Like when we build apps, like they'd come in and be like, I like this UI, I like this like this mm-hmm. like type of navigation or whatever. So they kind of do, they reference check on what else they're able to find on the internet and then provide some, some sort of requirements. And you, then you match them with, with the professional who ultimately like does the industry standard spec, which then can be handed off to the partner. Right. Right. And internally or in the industry, we call that a tech spec. Um, and that includes things such as all the different measurements and all the technical considerations. And this is a process that I'm actually going through right now with my uh, own collection um, producing through Kala, which it's been very enlightening to kind of be a part of that. Um, But, you know, I come from a background that's not fashion related. I just have some design expertise and knowledge, but I was able to drop in a bunch of different reference images, a bunch of different like materials that I kind of like and get a general sense of the way I want this garment to be constructed. And after that, the Kala paired me with one of the technical designers that came in, spec that thing out. And we went back and forth on a few different iterations. And once that thing was at a certain standpoint where I was satisfied with it, 
I signed off on it and the partner was paired and production is now underway on that garment. And all that back and forth and that iteration is done in Kala. That's all done in the product. Yes. Yeah. So we have, you know, real time collaboration features in the product. So you can do kind of call outs uh, with comments. We have stuff like notifications. So also kind of the back driver to ensure that things reach a certain standard and follow a playbook and a guideline is we have task integration built into Kala. And the task integration will give you the play-by-play of how you should set up and do this. So when you first get in, we have a phase called the creation phase. And the creation phase outlines a few different tasks, which includes some of the stuff that I'm mentioning here, like uploading your reference images, uploading material uh, samples and that sort of stuff and as the project continues to progress and we pair you with a partner it actually unlocks further uh, stages and further tasks so it goes into say pre-production and then it goes into sampling and the sampling phase ensures that you know a sample is actually sent to you physically you get to hold that sample approve that sample sign off and then it goes into you know mass production of how many quantities or unit count that you determined up front what's the uh do you have a name for your collection yeah um so i've started a, a brand that's called aes 256 kind of uh you know just alluding to encryption standards <laughs> uh, but like my brand is uh built off this thesis around um, like deconstructed digital minimalism. Um, it's all being manufactured in Japan using Japanese fabric. And this is something that we're testing internally is kind of the ability to potentially upgrade sort of the production standards. If you want to pay more for that, this has been kind of a, a very oft requested features that a lot of people want to choose, you know, maybe where their item is being produced. But ultimately, the biggest drawback to that is just the capacity and capabilities of worldwide manufacturing is limited depending on, you know, certain constraints. So for instance, you know, with Chinese New Year fast approaching, uh, a lot of factories shut down uh, in November and, you know, Chinese New Year is until February, I believe. So that's a massive constraint and we actually have to allocate uh, you know the factory supply side efficiently to ensure that the items can be produced so you can see you know certain factors can really determine where your garment's being produced when is uh, AES 256 when's it going to drop like when can <laughs> we expect to to see it online yeah definitely um so i'm planning right now for a q2 drop in 2020 um the first drop's only going to be two items i'm designing a hoodie and some cargo pants but i would say that they're fairly involved designs but this entire process for me has been fascinating and really one of the main reasons i joined kala initially was coming from my previous uh, company at superhuman i was enamored with the industry at large and wanted to actually build my own brand uh, my own fashion line but i quickly just realized how difficult and challenging the barrier to entry is for someone who's not in the industry. And, you know, as mentioned, Cal really is democratizing this entire process. And we're opening up, you know, this capability for someone like myself to get items produced in Japan at a certain price point that, you know, previously this was really unthinkable. 
yeah, since you brought it up, let's talk a little bit about um, your personal journey and how you got involved. Um, but before we do that, um, so you're not the, you're not one of the founders, but you're the head of product. Um, yep. Who are the founders? We, let's give them a quick shout out. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Cal was founded by Andrew Wyatt and Dylan Pyle. Um, they before Kala were at a company called Ship out in SF, which had raised a lot of money. And you know, that was in the logistics space of things, basically kind of uh, Uber courier model that would connect you with people that would come pick up your packages and get them shipped for you. There was a lot of hype around that company. But while they were working there, they saw a lot of different trends in the industry, especially around a lot of these e-commerce brands that were utilizing the service. Um, from there, uh, after a ship had folded, you know, they spent some time kind of reflecting on this and started the first iteration of Kala. And when Kala first came out, it was a 3D body scanning application to ensure that clothes could properly fit you. And we've seen quite a few startups in this space, but I was about, I was about to say, damn, that is an, that's a crazy idea. If you, if someone could nail that, I feel like we're a little ways off, but if someone could nail that, I think there's a lot of horsepower there. Yeah. It's definitely starting to become more feasible, you know, with stuff like AR being built into iPhones and kind of the body scanning component of this will become easier over time as the technology advances at the time when they had started Kala, a lot of these you know the ar kit for instance didn't exist and it was a challenge i think they had some type of large camera setup that they had to lug around in, in a suitcase uh but through that process they realized the bigger opportunity at play was yeah it's great if your clothes can fit but it doesn't ultimately matter if you can't actually get these clothes produced so that was kind of where they saw a larger market opportunity and they started to figure out and iterate on the next big version of Kala, which at the time was called Kala Studio. And that was kind of the first version of the product that exists today. Gotcha. And then they needed help. So then they looked for a pro like you coming from Superhuman, <laughs> which is which is like one of the one of the hottest startups right now in the Bay Area. Um, so I, I feel like I can't read like a tech blog without someone mentioning something, something involved with superhuman. Um, I know how I feel. so yeah, so you were pretty early at superhuman then. I mean, I think there's still a small team. I was actually just at a happy hour at their office not too long oh, ago. Nice. Um, so let's, let's talk about like, how did you get started at superhuman? Why did you leave? Um, mm -hmm. like, I think that would be that like transition into Kala maybe share that story. Definitely. Yeah. So I was the second or third hire at Superhuman. I was there very early. I got to experience a lot of the growth that you're kind of seeing the tail end of right now. Um, when I had joined, you know, we were working out of an apartment in Soma of a fourth street. It was uh, just a lot of excitement and energy in that space. Uh, I joined Superhuman from my previous company. I was at BitTorrent and joined basically as a product designer uh, or lead designer there. And I did all things designed at Superhuman. So from the desktop experience to mobile to even the marketing side of things. During my time at Superhuman, I realized how 
critical product is. And I also realized what it takes to build an exceptional and world-class product experience. Everything at Supreme was incredibly intentional and detailed in our process and our principles and our values. I extracted just this feeling that, you know, I felt that I could take a lot of these learnings and apply them elsewhere. Uh, ultimately, what ended up happening is, you know, during my time at Supreme, as mentioned, I just kind of became more and more enamored with some of these uh, lifestyle brands. And, you know, I think there's a parallel at Supreme, which was we started to build one of the first lifestyle tech brands, I would say. And it was kind of in this premium space, trudging a certain amount. I started to see all these parallels in the fashion space. And I started just becoming more and more enamored with the industry, being in San Francisco, which was so, uh, I guess, anti-fashion to an extent, made me just kind of from the outside looking in have some starry-eyed perspective on what fashion could be. So I wanted to really build out uh, my own brand. So after being at Subaru for about two and a half years, I kind of saw that opportunity to, as Subaru was becoming wildly successful and things were really starting to hit off. I built a very solid foundation from a design standpoint and product standpoint that I felt pretty comfortable uh, leaving that opportunity and pursuing something new and exciting that interested me. Got it. And then how did the guys at uh, Kala, like how did that relationship start? And and when did they, like how did you know this was the right place to take all of these learnings to? Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I had left Superhuman, I, I have a little bit of a, funny story here, I guess. So uh, when I left Superhuman, I went back to one of those happy hour events that they were hosting. And uh, it turns out that Andrew and Dylan were at that event. Um, They had heard that I had just left Superhuman. And uh, one of the employees at Superhuman introduced us and said, you know, here's Ryan. He's kind of interested in fashion. I started talking more to Andrew, the founder, and he said, you know, what are your next plans? And I told him kind of about my idea of I want to build a, a fashion brand, but it's pretty difficult and challenging. So I'm not sure if I can do that. And he said, oh, that's interesting. We should talk. So <laughs> um, we, we, you know, caught up for some coffee and he told me about what Kala was doing. And immediately it just resonated with me. You know, I saw just going from my own personal experience trying to build a brand how difficult it was and i saw okay there's got to be an opportunity in the market here for us to solve this problem so that just you know i connected and from there he told me you know okay but you have to move out to new york city which is where we're going to be based and i said great i want to get out of san francisco i've been here for five years kind of had enough of the this scene out here and i just took that opportunity um i think what excited me most about cal was really just this idea um was something that you know i was yearning for on a personal level but also i just saw that there was an opportunity here for us to build something that could resonate with far more than just my type of persona just seeing all the different trends around influencers and you know, DTC brands really starting to blow up in the space. Super fascinating. Um, so you moved to New York and what was the product team and like culture like before Ryan Wood? And then after you showed up 
you know, how, how was it trying to transform a company with a lot of these new, like world-class learnings that you would experienced at, at Superhuman? How was that process and what was that like? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the crux of it, I would say, is that it was challenging. Um, I think... Like, what was the size of, of the team when you went over there? Like, the, the yeah. pro- product and edge team? I was probably the sixth employee, and the product team was three people, and we had two other people on the fashion operations side of the business. Gotcha. Um, so it was like you doing a lot of design work at the time. Was it just like you and two yeah, engineers, yeah. basically? Basically, yeah. So I joined, and uh, we had so Kala had an existing product that was called Kala Studio. When I came in, and I saw what had been built, um, my immediate reaction was, "We have to gut the whole thing." So uh-huh. I came in, I came in and said, "All right, like we're going to start from the ground up here." Uh, I think a lot of the ideas that end up getting implemented into you know where the version is today was there. It was just kind of um, without any product or design insight into that. There were a lot of haphazardly built ideas that were too disparate, and the overall user experience was not quite at the level that I wanted to take it. But when I first joined, actually, one of the uh, main initiatives that I did was talking directly to some of the existing customers and the existing partners and manufacturers that we had in our network. And what I was able to gain from that was really clear insight into some of the pain points and potential problems to solve for Kala. Um, working or you know communicating with some of these partners in their space, their processes internally are a complete mess. You know, very few of them are adept to really any form of technology. And the closest thing I saw to some type of process was One of the partners that I visited out in Los Angeles, she tracked everything in an Excel document. So even email communications, she would pull into this Excel document that was just kind of a labyrinth of information and detail. And I was like, this thing is crazy and cannot scale um, efficiently. And I just imagined talking to her, you know, she told me how much time she spends maintaining this and it just became clear and clear to me that the opportunity here to bring kind of you know a superhuman product perspective into the fashion space was you know a massive and exciting opportunity for me. Dang, that's awesome. Um, and then, what about the team? Has the has the team grown much? Are you guys still lean and mean? What's the what's the makeup of the team at this point? Yeah, so still fairly lean and mean. Uh, we did recently just raise some additional capital. So we are starting to expand out uh, the engineering side and operations side of the team. The thing that's most interesting about you know the Kala, Kala as a company is that the company is split between sort of the engineering and product side and the operations and fashion side. And so much it's just kind of a unique opportunity. Uh, very few companies I find have such a you know, deep rooted fashion kind of background internally in the company. When you look at some of the other companies in the space, in the fashion industry, a lot of them are kind of very SaaS driven products that come from a San Francisco perspective on the industry. And 
I think that there's a bit of a disconnect sometimes with actually what's happening within the culture at large. So that was the coolest thing is Valcala is just, I got to see so much of what's on the forefront of these up and coming emerging designers out in New York city, trying to build these brands. And I got to talk with them, glean a lot of different insights and figure out how to scope the product around all their pain points and the opportunities that uh, they were giving me. Nice. And then, um, let's talk, this might not be in your wheelhouse. Uh, I don't know how involved pro- product is with, um, like customer acquisition and I guess, you know, some of the, some of the demand generation. Um, but like, how, where do you guys go to acquire customers? What are some strategies that you've, you've deployed, what's worked, what's not worked. Um, I think because it's such a unique, it's a unique space. You know, I could see it maybe, I could see like a direct sales model. I could see like a, like a consumer advertising model. Like how do you guys think about customer acquisition? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I would say for us, one of the biggest things that we do a lot of times is, you know, again, we talk directly with our customers and we're learning a lot about their behaviors and via surveys and kind of, analyzing all this data so that gives us kind of a broad stroke overview of who we can potentially target so through that we've created different profiles um kind of high expectation customer profiles and that determines a lot of times the type of clientele or customer that we end up targeting and approaching Um, we've used uh pretty much like every single service that you can imagine to accomplish this but a lot of times um it's pretty low-fi. Uh, I would say one of the biggest avenues of success for us has been, you know, just DMing influencers and brands on Instagram, and this direct outreach of like, "Hey, um, I saw you're trying to maybe produce this item," or "Hey, are you interested in maybe starting a brand? Here's kind of the play-by-play that we can offer you, and here's a service." Uh, we've seen a lot of success with that. The inbound just kind of from a virality standpoint has been pretty organic as well, simply because this idea uh, is limited to non-existent competition in the space. So a lot of people kind of are hearing about us via word of mouth. We've also uh, done some workshops that have been uh, somewhat successful, just hosting events in New York city and kind of getting designers in and explaining to them about what Cala is and what it is that we do. And here's an opportunity for you to, you know, build out your brand with our service. So, uh, there's quite a few different customer acquisition models that, uh, we've taken. And more recently, I would say we've narrowed that down to our primary focus is around a certain, our certain HXC is in the uncapped tier, which means that they're, you know, probably manufacturing at a certain level, let's say, you know, doing drops from 50K to $200,000. These larger clientels are basically affording us the ability to continue to build out the product and expand so that people down the chain can also utilize the service. Yeah, you, you do see that a lot. You see people come out of the gate with the, like the sexy, um, consumer approach, but then they realize, you know, that's a long schlog to build a brand, you know, to, right. to, to build that, unless you have something like, you know, unless you cut like lightning in a bottle, like an Uber or something. Um, so then Definitely. they, then they go try to find the, you know, they go try to find the bigger wallets and that tends to be in some of the larger, um, you know, B2B enterprise looks. Uh, mm-hmm. so 
super interesting. But you also subscribe to like, hey, you know, you're the next Justin Bieber and Bieber's doing fashion. Like, have you ever thought about doing fashion? If you have, like, here's a really easy way to spin something up and leverage an existing consumer brand that wants to get into some sort of like fashion product. Yeah, definitely. We, so when we're sourcing um, from the acquisition standpoint on all these different social channels, we kind of have created a bit of an internal framework and, a lot of times it comes down to we have a good intuition about some of these brands and we are kind of in the know about a lot of these emerging uh, brands on and influencers on Instagram. And we can kind of glean, you know, what the potential growth opportunity for these customers is. And we can come in and say, you know, hey, you get to still do all the creative fun stuff and we'll solve all the painful production and manufacturing side and you get to grow and continue to build out your brand and actually create more income for yourself as you know an influencer or a direct-to-consumer brand. I want to switch gears a little bit. Um to talk about your internal product development process. So mm-hmm. I imagine, you know, in these early days, talking to customers, lots of iteration. I would love to explore, you know, what tools do you use to manage customer feedback? Like, how do you guys think yep. about yep. building a roadmap? Um, what's that collaboration look like? Just, it'd be awesome if you could maybe just give us the overview of like the tools you use and what's it like at a day in Kala's product team? Definitely. Yeah, great question. Um, so I would say, you know, first of all, at a high level, one of the most important things from solving kind of product problems, I would say, is ensuring that you have the right company values and principles in place. So, you know, uh, an example of this, uh, this is something kind of a playbook that I learned from Superhuman. An example of this might be something around, okay, we want a value that is remarkable quality. And a principle that extends from that is, Okay, like every feature is getting uh, QA'd by a product designer or something before it gets merged into master, right? So at a high level, you know, I take this sense of our values and our principles and I apply this to, you know, how are we going to actually build out the features that we're going to build? So from there, you know, I'm figuring out what problems make the most sense to solve under that guise. And again, this includes really talking directly to our customers, figuring out you know, what goals are they trying to accomplish, um, and then sourcing all of this feedback and data. Uh, in terms of the tool set, you know, we've used Airtable pretty much uh, primarily in terms of garnering all the feedback and actually just having one single source of truth. Uh, we have sent out you know, type form survey requests uh, that will figure out kind of, you know, either an NPS score or we've also used the uh, product market fit metric around, you know, how disappointed would you be if this product didn't exist tomorrow? Uh, so we've collect, we'll collect kind of all that feedback. Um, and from there, we have these high expectation customer personas that we will start to tag a lot of that feedback under. So we'll start to see kind of repeated patterns from these high expectation customers and the highest expectation customer is just someone who's going to be the most discerning customer kind of has like the most want and need to utilize this service by focusing in on that. We kind of get this approach that allows the product to grow 
uh, a bit more organically because the outreach from a high expectation customer is when they're excited about something, they tell all of their friends. So kind of all of these you know, different funnels are utilized in terms of building out the uh, product features. So from values to the high expectation customer to the actual principles from there, once we've determined, you know, the prom selection or the problems that we want to actually solve for, uh, we use internally uh, linear to track all of these issues. And, you know, we also kind of do all of our prioritization inside of linear, uh, great tool. Everything is, you know, very intuitive and fast, you know, similar to kind of superhuman from a keyboard shortcut standpoint. Uh, and this is just, we'll track everything on a sprint cadence and it's a two week sprint cadence. So we build out these features, then we'll go back after that sprint you know, have kind of a retro around what went well, what didn't go well, and we reassess and, you know, we start again and we'll just kind of continue to pull in stuff potentially from the backlog or if there's a higher level, you know, thing that we're trying to tackle for, say, the quarter from an OKR standpoint, you know, that will also kind of determine some of the prioritization. Uh, I would say kind of most importantly, you know, uh, like, it's you have to continue to kind of tweak and optimize these things, uh, but you need to have some type of intuition and sense about what it means to build uh, this exceptional product experience. So it doesn't matter if you're getting a tremendous amount of feedback from all of your users if you don't know how to filter that feedback correctly, or if you just end up listening and building every single feature imaginable, kind of a very discombobulated product experience. So really my core job is figuring out how to filter and source all of this in a very streamlined manner that fits not only the short-term vision of the product, but where we want to continue to go long-term. That's, uh, that's a great detailed explanation. Uh, appreciate you sharing that with us seriously. Um, and it, I imagine in this world of iteration, a lot of learnings come out of it internally. How do you guys think about building like an internal knowledge base, documenting your learnings, sharing ideas? How do you guys how do you guys think about that? What tools do you use to, to help facilitate that? Yeah, um, I'm a big proponent of Notion for internal documentation. Uh, we pretty much primarily use Notion for all that. So. I, for example, you know, when it comes to product principles, we'll have that listed, whether it's the company values that's listed in Notion, you can go there and, you know, see all this information at a glance and continue to deep dive in. You know, another thing that I'll do a lot of times is have some type of, you know, approach or framework for actually building out a certain product spec. So we have a lot of times for larger kind of uh, sprints or features that we're trying to build, there'll be a specific product spec for that that you can go in and see kind of all the the breakdown of all the information you know the summary of what that thing is that we're trying to accomplish maybe the different personas that it pertains to and then kind of how we're going to implement this and include stuff around even say the tech spec so all this information all this knowledge it all lives in notion and it kind of continues to evolve and grow as we get more feedback and it's also you know from an operations standpoint is great because people who aren't, you know, directly engaging in the product uh, development cycle can still go in and actually get an overview and a sense of, you know, why it is that we're building the things that we're building and why it's important that we're building them. 
yeah, that, that tends to be super valuable in just maintaining that that culture and that level of transparency because everyone can kind of be siloed in their own you know job function. Um, but it's, yeah. it's good to have a, a place where people can go back and and see you know why the product team is making the decisions that they're making um, as it relates to you know what they're building next and for who. Yeah, I, I know. I would say from an engineering standpoint, I think that's kind of already deeply rooted in how engineers approach a lot of these problems. There's going to be some type of, you know, technical retrospective when things go wrong. Um, so bringing that culture and kind of uh, process over to the operations and fashion side of the company has been tremendously valuable. And I think they've kind of seen just how much that can streamline and uh, open and create a more transparent culture. Couldn't agree more. Um, well, I think we've covered a ton here. I appreciate you sharing everything with us. Um, but lastly, you know, where can people find you? So where can they go and find you online and find the brand and learn more about the company and, you know, all the social handles? Um, if you could share that with the, with the listeners, that'd be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, you can find Kala over at ca.la and you can actually sign up directly and start creating the entire, uh, Sign up process is completely open to anybody right now. Um, in terms of my own personal social handles, uh, you can find me over at ryanw.co or over on Twitter at rbtryn. Um, and my personal website has kind of the other social handles. If you're interested in my fashion brand, AES256, it's also over at my personal website and you can sign up and get notified when the first drop comes out. Excellent. I'm definitely going to sign up. <laughs> um, and, that will, and that will be a direct reflection of like what you're able to do as an individual with Kala. So I think that's Abs- yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's the main goal. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> sure thing. Um, cool. All right. Well, Ryan, really appreciate the time. Uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, nice anecdotes for the listeners. So thanks again. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you.